What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode seven of All About the Mix. These are your hosts, Zach and Malik. On this episode, we're joined by Joshua Kennedy, a fourth year engineering student, photographer, and investor. We talk about how he got started in each field, the importance of multiple streams of income, lack of diversity in tech, and much more. Without further ado, let's get started. We're back here, episode seven, all about the mix. Um, got a special guest with us today. Got a special guest. So it's a good friend of mine, a man named Joshua Kennedy. So he's an engineering student, photographer, and an investor as well. Um, welcome to the All About the Mix, Joshua. Thank How are you, you feeling? I feel good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Do you want to just kick things off by telling us a bit, sort of like what you do, a bit more in depth? Sure. I. Um I do photography and I'm an engineering student and also investing, as you said, but uh, I started photography a while back. Like I was always interested in media, but I never really like got into photography yet because uh, I wasn't sure if I could get into it. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get clients or content or anything like that. But one day I just uh, decided to buy a DSLR camera, just go to the store and just buy one. And then I... Started taking pictures of friends and family, made an Instagram page, and then started building from there. And then people started reaching out. So what what kind of things got you into photography? Like what town? Because like photography is like pretty broad. Like, do you just like did you start taking pictures of like the environment, your friends, or whatever? Like, what what kind of photography do you specialize in? Well, I started off with like just scenery or people, like portraits. Yeah. But then now I stick mainly to portraits or events. That's dope. So you can, like you're that. telling me you can take some sick Instagram pictures of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Make you look good for once, right? I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm damn. We're really doing that on the <laughs> show. We're doing it on the show. <laughs> but in terms of like photography, because I remember when you first started your account and then I've seen it grown to, like you almost have like 4,000 followers, which is pretty great. Um, what about it? Like, do you really enjoy like, what is the main thing that drives you to that business? The main thing that drives me is like uh, seeing the smile on people's faces once I've finally created what they wanted to create. Right. Or especially like when I'm doing engagements, they're happy, you know, capturing a really sacred moment for two people. It makes me happy. Right. And how, because I know when you're beginning, like everyone's probably saying, um, let's just do it for exposure or whatever. Like take a picture, they're not paying you for that service mm-hmm. like how soon after you started were you comfortable charging friends and, and other people i would say once i fully understood the camera like as much as possible like right. i fully understood how to how to get the pictures as sharp as possible the exposure yeah I, I i find it's funny because like i feel like every every person growing up wants to be a photographer or wanted to be a photographer at one point yeah uh, myself included so i got like this like cool little digital camera when i was in like grade <laughs> i think grade 11 or grade 12 and it was like a lot of fun but like there's so like it's not just like taking a picture on your phone or something there's a lot of things that go into photography um and like understanding a camera that like most people do not know like it's very technical obviously yeah. like photography photography sorry is a very technical um I guess art, art form, and not a lot of people have a master. So it's kind of interesting to hear that you um, transitioned from something that like became like something that you just like wanted to do because you wanted to um, 
I guess just do it and you know expose yourself that way but like transitioning into a professional service is I, from my perspective probably mm-hmm. something that's like very challenging for a lot of younger photographers for sure so yeah. it's, I think it's also because so many people don't know the complexity of being a photographer yeah. so they think that you can just snap a picture and then you're done so that's why a lot of people, once they find out their friends are photographers, it's like, oh, just take a sh- just do a photo show with me for like the whole week, you know? Yeah. They make it seem like it's that easy, but they're still expensive on your end. This is your time and this is your effort. You have to edit the photos. So leading and, leading into that, yeah. um, what do you find like is the biggest challenge when it comes to taking uh, photos professionally? The biggest challenge, I would say, because. Some people aren't like, not everyone's a model. They don't know how to pose or have the colors matching or just their facial expressions. So sometimes that's hard because I have to direct them. Yeah. And that's pretty much the hardest thing. Yeah. Because it's just like, you know, when we're in the studio, like recording like a radio spot or something. Yeah. Or, you know, a TV commercial and you're directing someone how to act. Like we're working with like professional actors or professional you know, voice actors, something like that, but like mm-hmm. for photography, like the business that you're in, um, it can be probably pretty challenging to like get people to like do the shit that you want them to do. Yeah. Uh, if they're not used to it kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I'm also very curious cause like obviously a lot of people in Toronto are photographers. Like yeah. I have maybe 15, 20 friends that do it professionally. Like, how do you set yourself apart from those people? What is, what makes you different? Well, Tough for question. me, <laughs> I would say some people like to edit their photos heavily, like increase the colors, like up to excessive levels where it's not like realistic anymore. Yeah. I think I try and keep it as natural as possible, but also a way that is also more appealing, like when you look at it. So not as heavy in the edits. As yeah, like, like I say, trying to keep trying to keep like the the natural natural artwork of it like brought out through your photography versus like yeah we got a couple great pictures here let's just like slap on 17 filters and then post (laughs) on instagram (laughs) hey you know this is an anecdote on my end but i just got a new phone i got like the new iphone xs or 10s or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um and like i'm going around that last weekend i went around taking pictures uh and i'm like damn the quality in this is like pretty crazy like this is insane and it gives yeah. you like the depth and everything you can adjust yeah. it and you throw some filters on there i was like am i a photographer now like <laughs> truly did i master it yeah but it's fun it's crazy to think that like so many like amateur photographers lean towards like you know an iphone there's no point in buying like an expensive camera if you're not willing to use it that's the yeah. hard the, the, the thing that really frustrates me uh, and it doesn't really frustrate me. Like I'm not really exposed to the photography <laughs> space, but, um, when people buy like the most expensive equipment and like the nicest cameras and the nicest, like lighting apparatuses and stuff like that, and they don't really know how to use it. So how did you go from, you know, being an amateur to being a professional to like, like understanding that you could really transform how you know about photography and how to work a camera? Well, in our age, like, there's always the internet. If you don't know how to do anything, you yeah. can search online. Sure. <laughs> Google. Yeah. The internet. Yeah. Basically what it is. Like, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of uh, searching on Google, and also asking, like, other people I know who are more professional photographers, asking them, like, mentoring sessions and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Cool. In terms of the actual, because like you've been able to build a pretty um, big following. Like, did you have like a strategy going into it? Like I'll take pictures with people with a lot of followers and then they'll sort of like trinkle in for me or like, how did you go about reaching the followers you have? Did you have a strategy or? Yeah, similar to that. Yeah. But I had like my own personal account. I had like maybe 700 from there. Okay. So I made a new account and kind of took like the majority of them with me. Yeah. And then, yeah, I did that. I started trying to, what do you call, collaborate with other, like other models or other people. And then they would post it and tag you and then you'll get some of their followers. And so pretty yeah, organic. Basically. And you yeah. just plan on keep doing that? like. Yeah, just keep doing that. Right. Keep the hustle. Keep the hustle, yeah. That's great. But I think it's uh, really important what you mentioned with the iPhone. Like a lot, It makes a lot of amateur photographers give them that medium to use. Um, I was reading an article about sort of like the decline in DSLR sales over the last few years yeah. um, and, uh, and the decline of mirrorless cameras as well. And the way I take that is that more people are obviously using their smartphones because the camera quality is becoming better. How yeah. do you see that, uh, in that trend in terms of like from a, a professional standpoint, like, do you think you'd ever switch to just using an actual iPhone or a Samsung or? No, I probably wouldn't. I would, yeah. I would stick to the, the, name, the normal DSLR camera. And what's it's, the reason for that? Well, it just looks more professional from one point. It just looks more professional if you come with your DSLR camera instead of like a, a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, your cell phone, people are going to laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> and... There's just more um, more settings you can change and okay. more stuff you can tweak with it on a DSLR camera than your smartphone. Yeah, it's true. And like, <laughs> I'm just laughing at that because like, imagine if you show up to a pre- yeah. professional photo shoot and it's just like, all right, smile for the camera. Yeah. Guy just whoops out his phone. And you're like, oh, sorry, I just got a text right there. I didn't get the proper. <laughs> no, but that's, it's funny because yeah. it's like, you know, going back to that point on, you know, camera sales going down yeah. is because I, I feel like, you know, for a period of time there, I know a lot of people were buying these expensive cameras because they wanted to get into photography and, you know, understand like the technicalities of like working a camera and stuff like that. Or at least that's why they like intended to purchase it. Yeah. Um, but now that, you know, iPhones are, you know, pretty accessible, let's say, let's say relatively accessible to like the public. Sure. Um, and, you know, as, you know, phone, smartphone camera technologies advance and get better and better. Like, it's just a way for, like, the average person to, like, not have to buy a super technical camera if they want to, like, learn about photography. Right. But at the same time, it would be like, you know, we're recording this on GarageBand right now. You'd never, like, pay, like, professional sound engineer. You you, know, you roll up to their <laughs> studio and then they pull out GarageBand. No one's going to, you know what I mean? Like, nobody does that. It's like an intro uh, beginner tool for novices let's say yeah and I guess that's a pretty good distinction there because like the Apple campaign shot on iPhone is not for professional photographers it's yeah. for people like me and you that want to take a picture of our friends and make it look really cool yeah go on vacation and then take a really cool take picture. a couple great yeah, yeah, yeah without it's... pulling out your DSLR like yeah, it's like hold up let me get this uh, <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah so you you, you feel like no matter what, like if you're if you're a professional photographer, mm-hmm. you're still going to be investing in the DSLRs and the mirrored camera, the mirrorless cameras, right? I would be, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe if I go on like a trip or something and I don't want to bring the big bulky DSLR yeah, camera, I might just bring my phone. Right. Yeah, yeah I think it also really depends on what you're taking pictures of too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're on vacation, 
get a quick pics with your phone. Yeah. yeah. But if you're like actually like trying to like take some professional quality pictures, like you'll probably just, you know, buy it or use the camera that you bought. Yeah. Exactly. It's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you don't also just do photography like uh, you do investing as well. Uh, you want to tell us a bit about that, like how you got into this guy's a jock of all trades of all here. Trades, Renaissance man here. Yeah. Well, basically, I have like um, all these goals set out ever since I was young. Like I wanted to get a nice house, a nice car, and stuff. So I just tried to create as many streams of income as possible. Okay. So I did that through photography and then also starting in investing. It's um, it's similar to peer-to-peer lending. It's like um, you loan money to people and they pay you back with interest, like over a term. And then, yeah. So it's like when Doc, we all borrowed like five bucks from me like three years ago. Yeah. He can now like you know pay <laughs> me back. You know, I charged up. you know five dollar interest a day. Yeah. So kind of <laughs> a couple. No, but but that's interesting. Let's stay on this topic because yeah. it's like you know investing is something that people see as being you know, pretty, I, I don't want to say boring, but like pretty uncreative. Let's say that. Sure. So, uh, on one end, you're, you said that you, you know, you went to school for engineering, yeah. you know, on the other hand, you're investing. And on the other hand, you're taking photos professionally. So there's like three completely different streams there that yeah. like yeah. don't really have anything to do with each other, but like they're, all sort of panning out for you like tell us a bit about like how you diversified yourself in that sense um like how i chose those yeah like it's just like you, you say you want you wanted like different sources of revenue but it's yeah. like from a creative standpoint those are all really different things so like it's kind of cool how you saw those territories and were like okay like this is what i'm gonna do yeah okay well for engineering i um I was just, I guess I was like decent at math and sciences, so I guess that's why I chose that. Also, because my, my love for cars, like automotive stuff. Right. So I guess that's why I chose mechanical. And then for photography, I've always like media, media studies. I always took those electives in high school. Yeah. Where we made like videos and movies and pictures and Mr. stuff. Mr. John Stone, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I always enjoyed that. So yeah. I guess that's why I got into photography. And then investing, uh, my dad does investing as well. Like he helps people invest. That's yeah. what he does full time. So I guess I got it from him. That's pretty so, cool. That's really yeah, awesome. something that like I definitely am lacking the knowledge in right now. And like yeah. companies like Wealth Simple and even like your standard banks like CIBC, RBC, all those places are like trying to help people like me understand it but it sounds like you kind of got it right out of the gate so it's like your background definitely helps there yeah and how did you because you're 22 or 21 21 21, so super young (laughs) how did you start like investing or like how what kind of advice can you give to someone that's essentially i'm saying like help me invest money right now (laughs) i'll pull out my banking receipts (laughs) how did you get started how did you know about peer-to-peer like walk us through that well I was searching online yeah. and then I, I was looking at um, ways to invest or different types of ways to invest. And then I saw peer-to-peer lending, which they had in like the U.S., but not really in Canada. But there's one in Canada called Lending Loop. And I just checked it out and it seemed legit. So I went into it. And then, just yeah, went into it. And just went into <laughs> it. I started investing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, are you going to do anything other than peer-to-peer lending? Are you going to like do trading or anything like that, or or not yet? Yeah, not yet. I'm I'm considering it, but I want to like focus on what's at hand right now. Okay. Like finish school and then get into it. Right. So can you walk us through like how much you need to start investing? Like, do you need to have a lot of capital, or can you do it with a few hundred dollars? Like asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. What's the entry point really here? How much you need to know? You you don't need a lot to start. Like you could start with a minimum of like two hundred dollars. That's like the minimum you get to put in. Okay. And just go from there. Just start investing that. You you don't really need to know like any background knowledge really, but they give you like financials of the company and you can kind of judge if you want to invest in them, if it's too risky or if it's not. And then you yeah, go from there. Go from there. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a space that I feel like a lot of people, especially your age at 21, aren't necessarily 100% buttoned down in. So it's like, you know, to have that knowledge sort of like before you're even 30 years old and before you're even, you know, considering, you know, in a position to be like buying a home or like buying a car, like starting a future, like starting right out of the gate is something that I feel a lot of um, people, especially my age or our age are... uh, are lacking in so it's like that's legit yeah and i feel like it's getting better like with gen z like they're starting to understand this like they're getting they're starting to invest like really early mm-hmm. meanwhile i just learned about investing last year yeah i didn't really know that was an option and people before me they didn't know that until they were much older right so i think that it's definitely trickling down with like the companies you said well simple where they're making it super dumbed down and easy for everyone to do um, but i I only heard of peer-to-peer lending through you, funny enough. Yeah, this is this is all <laughs> yeah. news to me. Right yeah, one hundred percent. I'm like totally in the dark. Yeah, but like the thing is, like, uh, you know, you're saying like the next generation is like picking up and learning about these kinds of things. It's like, you know, are we relying too much on companies like big corporations like Wealth Simple or our banks mm-hmm. to like um, teach us these things? Or should this be something that's included in like a, you know, school, like yeah. when public school growing up, like I really had no idea about these sorts of things. And maybe it's because I wasn't as interested, let's say, like I lo- definitely don't want to exclude that factor in it. Yeah. But I feel like if, you know, we're being taught, you know, taxes and everything or investing or like economics from much earlier on like for me economics was an elective that I took when I was in grade 12 like I just chose to to take it because I you know I didn't really know anything about it so I'd love to hear your thoughts on you know what you'd like to see change in like an education system to like help people understand where you come from and like what you know about these kinds of things I I think that the school should teach it because like if the school doesn't teach it some people aren't aware of it. Like some people don't know about it. Yeah. And especially like doing your taxes, like the school doesn't teach you anything about that or investing or like how to buy a house. Like you can either take it as an elective sometimes, but I think it should be like part of the core curriculum. Yeah. Cause. Well, cause yeah. Cause it's like, it, it makes sense. Right. Cause it's like the whole point of school is to like help you in the future. Exactly. Right. And it's like, there's a, I feel like there's a whole, area of things that like we're growing up and like finding out ourselves that it's like damn i wish i learned how to you know 
you know, I wish I learned basic economics when I was, you know, in, in high school and not how to write cursive writing yeah, that I yeah. don't ever use anymore. Like the mitochondria of the powerhouse. The mitochondria is yeah. the powerhouse. The cell. I will never forget that. Yeah. But well, this guy's myself. a science guy, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's like, that is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I find that really interesting because it's like, you know, we're being, and there's arguments and like, I'm not going to riff on, you know, our education, education system too much, but yeah. it's just like, I find the cursive writing debate just <laughs> so funny because people are like, how do people not know how to write cursive? Like, don't they? And it's like, well, I haven't written cursive since grade two. Yeah. And if the worst thing that's going to like come out of that is that my signature looks a little bit whack and it does, yeah. you know, they didn't do their job and like, you know, it doesn't really matter, but yeah. One of those funny things I, I always remember when I was like really young, the teachers would always be like, you need to be really good at math because you're not going to have a calculator everywhere you go. <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> and now, I mean, if I need to know five times three, I'm putting on my calculator <laughs> just to make sure I got the yeah. I know just it's a, 15. Just but a double check. You're like, oh, just a double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's always interesting how that goes. I obviously I'm not in high school now, so I don't know what the curriculum is. Maybe they are teaching. Kids yeah, I class. wonder. I wonder what it's like. I've been to high school back, you know, and just... <laughs> you know, I've been out of high school for like ten something years. Yeah. I wonder what it's like now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with you doing so many different things, like, is your plan? It might be too early to know, but is your plan to, I guess, go into a career in engineering and then do all the other things on the side, or do you want to see where this photography is going to take you? My plan right now is to like go into engineering and yeah. then keep up those other stuff on the side, and then maybe like uh, retire early from the full nine to five job and then just do all those full time, part time. The dream, yeah, essentially. Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. So it's like it's a pretty you know unconventional way of of you know. Y- establishing a career let's say like um i think we read an article um at some point this week i think cbc came out with it don't quote me on that but about how millennials are like willing to sort of like take like a like a pay cut almost to like help do things that you know help fulfill a career that will be meaningful to them and while you're not necessarily taking a pay cut in in your circumstance mm-hmm. doing the things that you want to do like you're using engineering as a as a means to you know establish yourself you know make some money learn um and then you know if you're 35 or 40 years old and you say you know what fuck this i'm out you can just go you know you have your photography background and things and like that's so unconventional from like what you know, we've all been taught. It's kind of like go to school, uh, you know, get a job, work your job for 40 some years, retire, die. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how you feel about, I guess the future, future, I'm using that very loosely of like how people approach like their careers, because it sounds like you're doing something that's like completely different. Yeah, I agree to that, that people are kind of choosing more things that they like instead yeah. of, like, what their parents want or what what the world thinks they should go into. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like our generation, they care about what society thinks, but not as much as, like, the older generation. They kind of do what they like and what they want to do instead of what other people force them to. Yeah. So, and I feel like that is, like, 
something that we need to like keep telling ourselves because you know there's still a whole generation that believes that like millennials are lazy and like they're you know entitled but it's like how can we be lazy when i'm sitting across the table from someone who's in mechanical engineering doing photography on the side um you know and as an investor so it's like how that you're doing three different things at once so it's like how how is that lazy so there's like this whole i think society gives us so much put so much pressure on millennials and like going back to that art article. Mm-hmm. I remember reading the comment section oh, of like, you know, old, <laughs> the comment sections are always gold. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, on, yeah. St- on stuff like that, they're always just like all full of like old people being like, you, you should be writing in cursive. Damn it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like those kind of things, like where it's like, you know, there's a whole generation of people who believes uh, that they know best for us. But like, you know, we're sitting in the world right now. We're sitting in society you know, trying to figure out, you know, the world is completely changing. How can we best like adapt ourselves and adapt our careers and our, our lives to sort of like pave our own path versus like going down one that's like been, you know, walked down to death. Yeah. I also think it's pretty interesting because we're obviously referencing millennials, but you and I, like we sit right on that edge between millennials and Gen Z, you more so than I do. Because um, it's always very fluid as to when the millennial ends. Like, I'm still not really sure. I think Same. it's 95, 96. Yeah. Um, so because we're right in the middle, we're kind of experiencing both um, generational habits and, and stuff like that. But um, when I was in class, they brought up sort of this, like, really interesting discussion about um, how how uh, sort of, like, companies are adapting more to Gen Z and in terms of like even the hiring process, like they were saying that emails might be might trickle away in like 10 to 15 years and it'll just be, you can chat with people, like you can just like text them or something. Um, Cause we're also seeing like people get hired through Instagram DMs or Twitter DMs. And um, I recently saw a company that allowed you to apply for their job through a Snapchat video. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what do you think of those sort of like, uh, those trends, like, really appealing to Gen Z and sort of their habits and, and how that might change things. I think that's good that, that companies are trying to learn new methods to like hire people or interact right. with the world because um, like most things of the past are slowly going to fade away and then if you're not keeping up with it, then you're going to fall behind. So it's yeah. a good thing that they're staying up to date with stuff. Right, to a certain extent, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I do hope that email doesn't flush completely out the window like yeah. i feel like it's a little weird to just text yeah. an employer but also i'm not the one yeah it's all just like <laughs> texting your you know boss like yeah. hey uh you know application yeah, this, yeah it's just like this is who i am it's so yeah it's strange but like to, yeah. to build on that point it's like interesting to like talk about uh you know changes and and how companies are adapting to like how we do things or how the younger generation does things. Cause it's like, you know, there's a whole section of people who are just like trying to get into like, you know, being employed and like learning about these kind of things. But like the ways of the ways of the past, let's say are like um, sometimes challenging to really understand. So like to have companies, you know, like McDonald's, like cater to young people by putting, you know, job applications on snapchat like for me that's kind of like i'm you know i'm gonna hold my opinion back a little bit yeah i think it's really innovative yeah i think it's like you know innovation is like how you're gonna reach this this generation and like sometimes it flops like sometimes you see like 
you know, brands on Instagram or something like try and like make like memes out of their ads or something. And it's like so bad, but like, you know, at least they're like trying something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like it has to be authentic. And I, I particularly really like the idea of, or the concept of applying for a job on Snapchat because you're able to do a video, like you're able to like speak, maybe answer a few questions that they throw at you through a Snapchat video and you feel very natural in, in your personal setting because you use Snapchat a lot. Yeah. So it's like they're making an effort to reach you where you always are. Um, well, Gen Z more so. Like we don't really use Snapchat that much. I don't use it that much. No, I don't use Snapchat at all really. Yeah. Just to send like ugly selfies your way every now and then. Yeah, like this guy. I'm <laughs> gonna go it's into it a little bit, but I was like, you know what? Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I think that's very interesting. I'm gonna like keep monitoring and see how that goes because they haven't actually they've announced that they're gonna do it. Uh, McDonald's doing like Snapchat job applications, but they haven't actually implemented it yet. So um, I'll definitely follow it and, and see how that goes. You know, maybe. Try to get a job. At hey McDonald's. man, try and get a job. Try to, imagine trying to get like a corporate job like that. A corporate job at McDonald's. Like, hey, it could happen. There's a guy in a suit. Like he's like yeah. on Snapchat. He's like, hi, I'm applying for the role of uh, CMO uh, of McDonald's. Yeah. Be just get rid of cover letters and just make you know a Snapchat, Snapchat job application. Yeah. I hate cover letters, but that's a whole other discussion. That's a right? whole other, <laughs> a whole other discussion. But I did want to talk more about engineering um, for you because uh, we were having a little bit of chat and you were mentioning that there's a bit of a lack of sort of diversity um, in your engineering program. And I'm assuming the engineering field as a whole. Um, are there any sort of factors that you think contribute to that or are you, any, anything you want to speak on on that subject? Any factors? Not really factors, but like I just see a lack of diversity in terms of like Females, there's like a lack of females right. and lack of like, uh, African Canadian people or youth in that aspect. Right. And do you have any sort of like friends that are in engineering that are black or? I do have a couple, but it's it's very limited. Like there's not a lot in terms of like, a whole. So it's so like, how do you feel? Probably being like one of like. <laughs> a, a couple a handful of of black people in yeah. you know uh, an engineering program especially like as you you know progress to the end of your mm-hmm. your degree like how do you how do you feel about that like what what is like engineering is such like a i don't want to say niche niche isn't the right word yeah. but it's so um unlike you know your typical university program like for me i did like just a bachelor of arts in communication so i was like every anybody was in that program but like for you it must feel kind of like different a little bit i would love to hear what you have to say about that i feel like um being in there like i have to hold myself to a higher standard like i have to do the best that i can you know get the best grades um do the best on my projects or presentations because like people are looking out looking at you and also in terms of like we've had co-op jobs where we go and work in the field. Yeah. And especially then, like being one of the only black people there, you have to like do the best. Like you can't mess up because they're looking at you. They're watching you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like it's uh you almost have to work twice as hard yeah. to like, you know, make sure that, you know, you're beating you know, you're not beating anyone, but like, you know, trying to equalize yourself against, you know, maybe the majority 
yeah. of, of people in the program. So it's like, I must be challenging because it's something that, you know, diversity is something that uh, is such a hot topic nowadays when it comes to hiring, especially. Yeah. And, you know, on job applications, you see like a thing where it's like, <laughs> do you identify as like a visible minority? And it's like, sometimes it's like, well, do I want to announce that or do I not want to announce that? Because it's like, how do you know? You don't yeah, like, bah, that's how you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like, yes, I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not black. Uh, I'm, from, I'm, I'm from here. Uh, yeah. Joshua Kennedy, you can, you can get. Yeah, you're, you're good. Like you, yeah. like you, can, you can hit that. You can slam the, I prefer not to yeah. uh, ask question. And then like when you show up to the interview, they're just like, Oh fuck! <laughs> are there? Um, I'm curious. Are there any? Because I'm not an engineer. But are there any like social groups or anything like that in Toronto where you're able to kind of like meet up with other Black people in the engineering space? Because I know for like developers in the tech community, there's like uh, Black women who code, Black boys who code, stuff like that. Like where you're able to meet up with like-minded people, people that look like you, and and really just build your expertise together. Does that exist in mechanical engineering? Not really in a way, but but the ways that I got my co-op jobs was yeah. usually through like um, an older person that I knew who was black who worked there. Okay. So the homies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta hook it up. Yeah, for real. Or you just gotta start one. Yeah. Mechanical engineering, black people in mechan- mechanical yeah. engineering. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely like I would say to look into like a bunch of kind of like meetups. You know, like I feel like there has to be a community. Mm-hmm. of black people in engineering in toronto like it's so huge like i would really hope so yeah. I'm, i'd be really disappointed if not but yeah it's just uh, fragmented i guess yeah like it's like you're not gonna go you find like all the black people in like one program at one school you know what yeah, i mean it's no. just it's just so separated that sometimes i can imagine at least that it would be difficult to uh to partake in like a meetup or something like that if it's not like in your immediate circle let's say but yeah and even like um so definitely in engineering but i also feel like in investing too like that's something that a lot of young black people should know about how to um build different sources of income and really secure sort of like fine financially for their future um just to get back to the investing sort of like discussion were you or have you sort of like brought your friends on and sort of like talked them about what you do or or yeah. you keep it to yourself. <laughs> no, I've been trying to bring some people on, but yeah. people always think like it's too risky or it's or it's not legit or something like it's just fake. So I've been trying to get some people into it because it's actually real. And if you do it right, then you can actually like uh, earn a lot of money through investing into stuff. Yeah, they want to keep us dumb. They want to keep yeah. us broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that's why they're not teaching in schools, man. Yeah. That's why they're not teaching in public school. You heard it here on the Mad Mix podcast. Yeah, let's restructure. Restructure, you know. I mean, like, I'm joking, but, like. Kind of. Yeah, kind of, like, kind of joking. But, yeah. You know. Um, but why do you think people think it's, like, a scam or. Like, what's your I, opinion on that? I think because maybe they think it's like too easy or something. Or like, say you invest like five hundred dollars, and then it can double within like a, a term, like a one to two year term or something. And people think of that as fake or like impossible. They don't believe it, right? Or something. But it's definitely doable. Yeah, it's definitely doable. Yeah, and I think like 
from a perspective of someone who doesn't really, you know, I'm not really involved in the investing space. Um, when you're playing around with money, it can be sort of like, and you don't really have like the security of like a major bank or something like that, like helping you out through it. It's kind of dangerous because it's just like, well, I'm taking money that like I worked hard for and I'm, you know, could potentially just be like throwing it away. Like I feel like I, I, I don't really know where my money's going and like yeah. how it grows and yada, yada, yada. So, um, I can see it. Mm-hmm. But it's just about understanding the whole system, right? First thing, first and foremost. Yeah. In terms of like the people listening, they're probably hearing this and like, okay, how do I start? You know, like let's say they don't want to jump right into peer-to-peer investing. How do they learn, or how did you fully like? Were there certain YouTube videos you watch to learn about investing? Were there certain books that you can recommend? Certain resources there, like. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff on YouTube. Okay. You can just search online how to invest or how peer-to-peer lending works or stuff like that. There's a lot of info out there. Yeah. And how do you navigate between what's this, legit and what's, what's legit not? and what's not? Because obviously there are some companies that would definitely be scamming people or they're selling them a dream that's not Fire festival, happen. you know what I mean? Yeah, let's get back to that. <laughs> how do you know that a company is probably legit? Well, you could, I guess, look at the reviews about them. Okay. Like check into that. Or just, just try and research the company as much as possible and then make the final decision after that. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. research and like mm. trust and, you know, establishment or something like you have to like, for me anyways, would have to like look into heavily before you put any money into it, right? right? Yeah. So. And I think that like, it's definitely a big barrier where people are like, like you mentioned, like if in a two year span, you can double your investment. Like a lot mm. of people look at that, like that's impossible. Yeah. Like. You can't actually do that. So I don't know. It's like, I think it's still very, like you definitely do have to do your research. And I feel like not uh, people aren't doing that enough because um, what I like about investing is it's for anyone, essentially. It doesn't matter if you have how you look, you know, it doesn't matter your weight, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter anything like that. Like if you have the time and you read these books, you read these articles, yeah. anyone can do it. Yeah. Because so, you can start with a couple hundred dollars. I mean, Anyone can save that up just through habits, mm-hmm. um, but it's taken that step to do that. So, like, yeah. you have to have that ambition and you have to have that perseverance, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's kind well, of with it's like that with anything. You know I, I mean, so, as yeah. long as like you're keeping up with it, and then you show like the willingness to learn and and grow from it, then you know you'll definitely be successful in some regard. I think you'd probably agree to that. Yeah. Yeah. You were also doing, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but were you doing CrossFit at some point, too? Yeah. This guy, <laughs> just, who is this guy? Like, this guy, just like, what don't you do, man? Tell I us was, about that. Like, what happened, what happened with that? I was for a bit, but yeah. I kind of stopped. It was it was a lot of work to do. Yeah. And then film it. I was trying to set a fitness page. I remember like, that. Yeah, okay. Damn. Let's talk about that. <laughs> well, I started a bit, but yeah. then... I don't know, life just got so busy and I couldn't really keep up with it anymore. Right. And yeah, it takes a lot of work to go find a nice like workout gym and then film it, edit it, upload it. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. going to the gym is hard enough. Yeah, like, that's that's tough. <laughs> yeah. But Was that before you did photography? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I did photography. 
and then you're like, forget that. I'm just going to take pictures. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll deal with the picture editing yeah. and all that stuff, but not like the, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you still, uh, you still do CrossFit, but just don't record it or? I, I mostly just do like normal workouts okay, or okay. like calisthenic stuff. Yeah. Really cool. So you're like the Renaissance man. You do, you do everything, and you're only 21, making us look really, yeah. really bad here. At the uh, we'll be 20, 28 in, yeah. you know, next month. Yeah. Oh, and sure. uh, <laughs> you know, I prepared my own lunch today. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't even do that. So, well, these are like some of the people we like to highlight on the Mad Mix. You know, the people that are making a splash in their particular industry. Um, they're young and they're in advertising or marketing and. Um, you're a go-getter like you you know what you want to do and you're taking the the right steps to get there so um i guess we just really want to thank you for taking the time to be here joshua and no problem. yeah we're excited to see what you do next man thanks for having me yeah. episode seven you're there the you yeah you're you're the star of the show right here so uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in everybody uh this is episode seven of all about the mix uh stay tuned for more uh engaging content more guests um and obviously more from myself and Dak out here. Um, Favorite, you know. Yeah. So uh, take it easy and hope you enjoyed the episode. Peace.